You hear that? Your dog knows. Spring is coming sooner than you think. Dog walks, dog parks, plank fetch, all the stuff your dog loves to do with you. But the warmer weather also means that fleas and ticks are coming back. Fleas and ticks are in the grass, in the woods, and even on their dog friends. Fleas are an itchy nuisance, can easily get into your home, furniture, and beds, which can be terrible. Ticks are even worse. They're hard to spot, but can carry disease and get your dog really sick. PetMeds has your furry friend protected with the best products to prevent flea and ticks all year long. PetMeds pharmacists connect directly with your vet to save you time and deliver the best products for your pet. PetMeds offers low prices on all flea and tick meds, including NexGuard, Simperica, and more. And PetMeds AutoShip helps you save even more with additional discounts on regular shipments of PetMeds, dog food, and other high-quality supplies. So get ready for all the spring fun now. Visit PetMeds.com and use promo code PODCAST to save 40% on your first auto ship order. That's PetMeds.com and promo code PODCAST. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome, everyone, back to the broadcast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. Happy Bastille Day, everyone out there. Uh, Viva la France. Tracy Pearson, how are you, man? I am in Bastille Square, right, even as we speak. Do you hear the people sing? <laughs> sing the songs of angry men? Actually, when I was 23, graduated from UCLA, went to Europe, I spent Bastille Day in Bastille Square. And Look at you! It did was you storm it? So much fun! Oh did, my lord! Did you did you take the best deal? People just well, it matters what your is that like a euphemism? Did you storm it? Did you did <laughs> yes. you did you seize control and wave your flag over it? <laughs> Once again, those young people who listen just think, "What are those old guys?" <laughs> those sexual references are just really, really creepy and yucky. Um, yeah, no, I did. Yeah. I, I, I planted my flag. As, as one does. Uh, as we do. We plant uh, our Yes, flags. it is, though. That's really fun to think about. Woohoo! Yeah. Um, uh, so this week, uh, 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 I think I want to seriously think about renaming Bruno Port Online. Instead of BRO, it's going to be FRO. Mm. It's either Fluidity Report Online or futility report online. Either one. What do you think? I think we could maybe combine the two, like fluidity. Uh, flutility? Flutility. I like flutility. it. Flutility. Thank you very much. Flutility? Yeah, okay. All right. I think we got something there. Flutility. Um, we've got a lot to discuss. Um, you know, speaking of futility, uh, which you included in your preamble for this story. Uh, we wanted to kind of go um, in depth a little bit because I had some thoughts. Tracy wrote a, a beautiful story, beautiful two, two stories. Two stories, count Part them. one, part two. It's a lot of uh, work, dude. Grading, count the words. Grading Chip Kelly. Um, I would say the responses on the board were um, expansive, but I would say not necessarily as um, vitriolic as perhaps expected. And... Not, uh, it, I have to say, guys, um, 
I'm very proud. That was one of the easily one of the best responsive responses to a potentially very inflammatory uh, piece of content we did. And not only were you generally nice to me, even though I did delete two posts that were not nice, but that's that's low, you know, uh, for an average return. Uh, you guys were really nice to each other too. You actually discussed it civilly for the most part. Yeah, very impressed. Very impressed with y'all. I mean, in in my opinion, crazy. I think part of the reason for that was that you went a little bit soft. I'm gonna say it. Gonna say it. Gotta well, say it. Well, why are you giving it away? Why are you giving away? Why are you giving away my whole strategy here? Whatever. I mean, uh, I think I wrote very accurately. Maybe then I padded the the grades a little. Yeah, I think, and we, that seemed to work. So, Dave, next time I do that, no one's oh, okay. Here we go. Let's restart this thing. Let's go through this. <laughs> Let's not give away our trade secrets. That's not a trade secret. I'm it, just disagreeing. A, I just found one after 25 years of doing this, and you just blew it up. That's not true. That's not true. All right. Let's go through these. Um, so you ended up with like a, basically a, a, a C plus B minus uh, average for uh, Chip Kelly, which we will call, for lack of a better word, we will call that the David Woods college experience. Okay. So Chip yeah. Kelly is currently, according oh, just to you. yours? How selfish are you? That's all of ours, I think. But okay, go ahead. <laughs> Two oh, point, let's just name uh, it after you. 2.47 after four years, 2.71 after five years. So I'm okay. right there, okay. right in the wheelhouse. Um, but do I feel like Chip Kelly is performing to the level of David Woods at UCLA from 2003 to 2008? That's a real question for me here. Yeah. So all right, let's I was go. like a two nine. So well, I, I beat both of you. Yeah, you're out of you're out of the league. It's because you're, I was in the that fifth year, and I we're talking about padding. I I padded my GPA with some. With some easy classes in that last fifth year. But, okay, go ahead. That was my idea, and that's how I brought it up from a 2.47 to a 2.71. Did it really matter? No. No, that was at the point when I thought I was going to try to go to law school because I'd done well in the LSAT. Oh, well, I looked – I I did uh, a graduation check on you. <laughs> yeah. When you applied for your job at Bro. Yeah. And got your GPA, so it's really good you brought that up. Yeah, otherwise I, I would have missed the cut. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. All right, okay. All right, well, we uh, Tracy graded on a variety of factors, uh, 10 total. Um, wanted to go through them uh, a little bit. Um, so starting off, your first story, you started off with leadership. And uh, your contention was this was, um, you know, how you project as an, uh, uh, an image of a leader to your players and coaching staff, but also... Internally that, and externally. Yeah, yeah. How that promote, how that is projected to uh, the fan community, community abroad, you know, that sort of stuff. Uh, and you gave him a B, which I, I tend to agree with. I mean, I think he's, um, uh, you know, compared to like a Rick Neuheisel type who maybe got like the, and you kind of graded this separately, but like kind of got the PR aspects of leadership, but basically none of the like organizational principles or anything that go with it. Um, I think, uh, I think Chip probably is, uh, you know, he's an obviously professional guy. Like there's nothing about him that, 
uh, reeks of amateurism or reeks of, you know, I don't have command of this thing. Now, whether we agree with the direction of the boat is, you know, for other grades here, but uh, his his command, his, you know, I am the, you know, the, the, the dictator of this particular fiefdom. Captain, my is, captain. Yeah, that, that's in no way in question. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, this one is hard to really project to fans because fans only really mostly see the leadership outside of the program, the external leadership, how he leads it in the community, how, you know, he leads it um, in the media. Uh, I think I graded this mostly on how he leads the program internally. And I've, I've heard rave reviews from a lot of, a lot of people who have had very close access. Um, the, the one thing they would, if they're nitpicking is they say he, um, and it's just, it's a matter of coaching, personal, interpersonal coaching style. Uh, a lot of the players that came off of the Jim Mora era, they could be critical of, of some things that Jim Mora did, but they would say that entire team would run through a wall for Jim Mora. He, he had a knack for connecting, connecting to his players on a very emotional level. Chip Kelly doesn't do that. He's, he connects on a sophisticated intellectual level um, and does that really well. And that's a, just a different style. People do it differently. Um, he's very much into, which is, and I didn't write this part, but he's very much into little sayings, sayings and axioms, if you've noticed. He's, and he's got the players repeating them like they're right out of some sci-fi movie. Right. Yeah. But but I think those really have when it comes to sports, I think those have power. Um, And I think that's part of his his leadership style. Um, And he might substitute a little bit of that uh, emotional um, element that he doesn't do that well for that for those kind of things, too. So uh, internally, I I don't I think you have to wait it a little bit more internally and I've had a lot of an inside look and sources internally that really rave about it. Uh, and then we can, you know, we can all judge externally, um, how he leads the program in the community and that doesn't grade very well. So I think a B was fair. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, next up is offense, which again, I, I could, I, I might quibble a little bit. You gave it an A plus with the plus. Yeah. I get it. And I might quibble like slightly with that because, but this I added is where, the plus just because I was looking for places to bring the overall GPA up to about C plus. Yeah, yeah no, I get it. Um, <laughs> and, and I mean, I think there's a fair argument that it is, um, especially the last three years, if you aggregate the last three years, it's one of the elite offenses in college football. I would say on the margins, there's some stuff to obviously quibble with. Um, you know, there's fourth down play calling. There's... Um, you know, whether he's doing things all the time with, like, the proper expected value. Um, you know, the stuff you might have expected from Chip Kelly, like, analytically coming out of Oregon that hasn't necessarily uh, played out the right way uh, or the way you might have thought. But by and large, I mean, I think he's he's an A to an A-plus here um, to have produced what he's produced the last three years with no real sign of abating. Like, I don't even with a new quarterback this year, even with a new running back, even with a retooled offensive line, even with a lot of replacements at receiver, 
I don't think anyone is expecting it to be much worse than top 25, um, which I think says something about the system, says something about, um, you know, his, his ability as a play caller. And I, I, I can't, you never know how much of your assessment of a program or a particular aspect of it is uh, prone to proximity bias. Because the things we quibble with about Chip Kelly might be things, you know, USC fans quibble with about Lincoln Riley or um, what have you, whatever great offense there is in college football. What You know, Baylor fans are complaining about Art Bryles in 2012 or whatever it is. Um, so, you know, some of that stuff is just the, the, the price of doing business in college football where you're going to have stuff to complain about no matter what. So AA plus feels right to me. Yeah. Um, uh, do you remember all the other former coaching uh, staffs, even when they were effective, Noel Mazzoni's offense was effective, but m- talking about quibble, we, we quibbled over that thing every week. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there were so many things. Uh, name more uh, in the last, you know, couple of decades, really uh, successful offenses. So this this might be in the context of some really mediocre offenses. Totally. <laughs> At UCLA. Um, I think also, too, and I wrote this. I think there's a lot of things Chip Kelly has done uh, with his what he conceived of what he could do at UCLA. And, I, and we can talk endlessly about his motivation for that. But if you're talking about designing a system, an offensive system, that fits the types of players he thinks he could get at UCLA... It really, he really nailed it here. Um, uh, you know, you you plug in a couple of stars at skill positions, and then you develop guys on the offensive line. And I, I would think, I, I would say, the offensive line has overachieved with its talent level, um, and it, it's due to that system. Um, so I, I think he, you also have to. It's just not his play calling is you know, game week uh, preparation, but just the the concept of the offense and, and that it's in the, in the era, remember of spread offenses where people were throwing 50 times, he came back to college and decided I'm still going to run the ball because that's still, uh, uh, you can get an advantage by running the ball well. So uh, just the concept of it gets an A too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Um, all right. Next up, you had uh, defense, which I, I saw some initial disagreement with this, which uh, is insane to me. You, you graded it an F properly. I mean, the only the only adjustment I might have made is adding a minus, which doesn't exist in most grading systems. Yeah. Uh, but the defense has been terrible every single year. Uh, the only the only time it showed even slight signs of life was that first year with Brian Norwood coming in. Uh but before, after, it's been terrible uh, under every single different, you know, they had Jerry Azanero, then they had Brian Norwood more or less doing a lot of it, and then they had Bill McGovern, and it was bad every year. They had Clancy Pendergast doing the back half of the last year. Um, but it's been bad, constantly bad. Um, he hasn't done a good job um, uh, uh, hiring, um, whatever you want to call it, the management of... The defense has been a huge, huge, huge anchor around the neck of this program. And, uh, yeah, I think you nailed it. Well, that's the thing, too. Um, It just isn't the performance on the field, which garners an F. 
um, because those those defenses have, have been bad. But like I think I kind of wrote, it's the significance of a bad defense in this program. If it if he had just put a decent defensive scheme that made the players, you know, just uh, play a little, uh, uh, at least up to their level <laughs> collectively, and uh, something that we would have graded a B, what would what would his program? What would the results have been? I mean, uh, probably one eleven win season in the last two years. If right, if his defense... I mean, they got nine last year. A good defense, eleven wins. They, they would they would have beaten Arizona and Pittsburgh. <laughs> if, if his defense was consistently top fifty, is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah, let's just say conservatively it, top it let's say top 40 if he'd had a top 40 defense the last three years they would have been competing for the playoff right um so I, that's the significance we, just we'd be how talking bad about the, okay yeah. how do you build a statue of chip kelly when where do you build it where do you put yeah. it um they would so be, just not how bad the defense is but it's significance on in the program yeah i mean they, yeah. they would have been the top program in the pac-12 or pretty close to it uh yeah. the defense the, the offense the last two years for everyone out there um it's been top 10 ish in most advanced stats metrics. So if you combine that with the top 40 defense, you're basically looking at like Lincoln Riley's Oklahoma teams. Um, and that's, and it's like his good Oklahoma teams. So yeah, um, it would be a very different deal if the defense could just get figured out. All right, here's one where this is where we part ways, Tracy. Results. Don't leave me, Dave. I won't leave you. Uh, you've given him a C. This, for me, is a D. Um, and it's only a D and not an F because of the last two years. Um, but it, he needs to show a lot more than two eight and nine win seasons against the weakest schedules. and Or, well, the last year, the nine win season, against the weakest schedule in UCLA history for me to uh, move him up to an average. Um, right now, his level of performance is is significantly worse than Carl Durrell's. Um, it's still pretty comparable to Rick Neuheisel, um, and it's much worse than Jim Mora. Uh, and the, it, while it's trending upward, um, last year, the, uh, I, I think people really need to contextualize properly that last year was, until this coming season, uh, the, the weakest schedule probably in, in modern UCLA history. Uh, to only go 9-3 and three in what was a culmination year, I mean, that's kind of average. And then you have to bake in the fact that they um, just ate it the first two and a half years, three years, if you want to count the full COVID year. Um, all that stuff matters. Like the stuff that you've... Uh, Everyone of you out there, you put in the time watching those 2018 and 2019 seasons. Uh, they weren't very fun. They and that's probably putting it mildly. Those were F's. Um, just because things are improving now doesn't mean that those go away. Uh, and so I would say maybe if you're really heavily waiting the last two years, uh, it might pump it up to a C for me. But for me, I think this is still a D. And there needs to be something to make up for. Uh, what everyone experienced those first two years. I, I generally agree. Um, I'll admit, and, and maybe the pro Kelly guys will say, I, I should just get over this. I, it's hard for me to get over those seasons, those first three seasons. It, it was tough. Um, 
So there's that. Oh, you know what I wanted you to do? I wanted you to have a go at that take we're seeing. We saw it on the forum and then someone tweeted it out about how Ch uh, Chip Kelly has been the most successful, successful coach at UCLA in his fourth and fifth year. Did you see that? I did. I, I did. I want, I want your take on that, Dave. Well, um, as I just said, some of it is schedule. So I think you, you have to uh, put that in there. Now, I think he's been afforded quite a bit more patience uh, than most other coaches have been uh, in uh, UCLA. Well, modern UCLA history. Uh, Rick Nuez didn't get a fifth year. Um, and, you know, there were obvious reasons for that. But I think there were obvious reasons why Chip Kelly might not have should have gotten a fourth year. Um, you know, they, they'd been they'd been terrible to that point. Uh, then there are some mitigating factors that make it so that the, these fourth and fifth years uh, for Chip Kelly are a little bit different than the fourth and fifth years that have been experienced by a lot of UCLA coaches. COVID uh, has significantly helped UCLA and I would say relative to a lot of other programs uh, because of the way they do the transfer portal. Um, and the just, you know, they've got kind of this, um, I won't say fringe level of talent, but it's this kind of talent that not quite NFL ready, you know, not quite leaving for the NFL after three or four years, um, but good enough to play and start. And those guys are staying five or six years now. Um, so you have years like Stefan Blaylock and Mo Osling last year, um, where those guys weren't in the program still, um, in previous regimes um and they weren't quite nfl players but they were really good by their i mean for mo osling literally his sixth year in the program um so there was a lot of that going on but i mean look there's no there's no knocking the improvement itself um but i think i don't know it, it's kind of one of those things where it's like yeah oh wow you know that baseball team is really good on wednesdays in august when it rains um yeah that, that's exactly to, to me you just hit it to me this is supreme cherry picking. We're talking results. Just the word results. That doesn't mean uh, for the four games in the middle of the season one year. I mean, where do you draw a line of cherry picking a result? Results is his entire results since he's been at UCLA. You can't, you can't, because if you, if you, cherry pick it like this, you can say, well, how about the next year when Donahue won? Uh, a conference championship. You, you can't do it. Well, and, this and, is... and then the other thing, just to finish, Chip Kelly has said it. Coaches say this. You judge them by their results. Right now, he's 27 and 29. That's probably a C minus to a D at UCLA. At UCLA. I gave it a C. As, yeah. But that's, I mean, average. What's average at UCLA? What's a C? Seven and five? Or just between six and six go, and go seven look and at, five? Go look at Carl Durrell's career. That record... Um, now, obviously, Carl Durrell uh, inherited a uh, Rolls Royce and turned it into a Chevy. Uh, but, you know, roughly that, 35 and 27, I think he was in his career. Yeah, that's right. basically average. Yeah. Okay, next one. Well, uh, oh, the, if you want to keep going, go. Well, go. No, but I just, the, the, the thing with, um, with any kind of judgment, um, where you're not just grading what has happened, but you're trying to push to, oh, there's improvement, there's a trend, all this kind of stuff. We've talked about 2024, 
um, and the, what the schedule looks like in the Big Ten. Um, I don't know if fourth and fifth year is the proper like consideration for what we just saw. Um, I think fourth, fifth, and sixth years all have the potential to be eight to ten win seasons for UCLA. Um, so the fourth year was an eight win. This year, this past year was a nine win. Next year, uh, this coming year, as we've talked about, the schedule again is very weak. They could win as many as ten games. Um, think of the culmination years for a program, uh, not necessarily the uh, just in a vacuum fourth and fifth, because Jim Mora had his culmination years very early because he rebuilt a lot faster than Chip Kelly did. Uh, Carl Durrell had his culmination year in his third year. Uh, because he finally had, you know, a fifth-year quarterback and, and you know, the tools were taken out of his hands for destroying the offense with Tom Cable um, doing a much stronger job of holding the reins. Um, Rick Neuheisel never had one. <laughs> I mean, his culmination year was, uh, I don't know, going to uh, the Armed Forces Bowl. But my point is, it's not necessarily the, the that you look at it, oh, this is a trend upward, like it's the fourth and fifth years, and then the sixth year is going to be okay, and then it's on to, uh, you know, greater and greater heights. There's a real chance that things don't quite crash and burn, but we look at these three years as the best part of the Chip Kelly era. And if you're looking at it in that context, well, how does it compare to the best parts of the Jim Mora era, where there were, they were playoff contenders heading into the year every year? Um, that's just a lot of brilliant intellectualizing seriously good stuff but to me it's results yeah so it's not it's not the the promise of how good you're going to do and it's not just the last two years it's your results that's what we're judging and grading so it's just simple (laughs) to me yeah so yeah anyone who cherry picks that or talks about what it could be in the future okay you can talk about that but that's not what we were grading correct all right, now we are on to recruiting. All right. Uh, Something you, we know, dear. We do know this well. Uh, you've graded a C plus. It's, again, one of those where I would quibble, and I might drop it down to a C. But if you look at what actually they have done, since uh, basically they had a horrible class in 2019, um, if you grade it all, like not just like if you don't, if you don't just isolate our high school recruiting where we have, you know, obviously – Talked it to death. But if you grade the whole thing, uh, if you if you just say, okay, 2019 was a bad class, everything else has been uh, borderline UCLA average. Like, this is where I would quibble and say it's a C, C minus. Um, everything else has been borderline UCLA average. They've had classes that were generally, when you factor in all the transfers and everybody, ranked between 20 low 20s and low 30s aside from that 2019 class which should have been a foundational class and has turned out to be basically an entire dud uh that's a that's an important factor like 2019 being a bad class is like if you just go through the list of names of guys who didn't make it through the program so you've got sean ryan who was great then you got mike martinez shamar martin charles njoku john ward william nimmo uh you got duke clemens who was good Siali Tapaki, Daytona Jackson, who played, Bo Taylor, uh, Carl Jones, who's played, Chase Griffin, mm, Jamon McClendon, uh, Kane Madrano, who's played, uh, Sitiveni Havili Kafusi, who's barely played, Josh Carlin, who hasn't really played that much, Josh Harris. I mean, it's a there's a lot of guys who are just gone, and you never heard another word about them. Um, 
That was the height of, and the culmination, I think, of his recruiting approach. Let's go get those diamonds in the rough three-star. We'll out-evaluate everyone, and we'll bring them in. They're good citizens. We won't have to deal with really any problems. And we are such good evaluators. We will find guys who are better than those three stars, and then we're brilliant coaches, and we'll make them better. Failed. Just a big stamp, like a big red stamp that just says, failed that failed it failed and that was really the height of it i remember the whole feeling and, and everything i was getting from the program at that time i would say the program really did not put a lot of energy into recruiting in that and looked for the easiest the path of least resistance in recruiting in in that cycle yeah um, if you remember during that time there wasn't a really good feeling around the program because it wasn't doing well in the field either. And if you're not a get after it recruiter and you're distracted by kind of a, uh, an overall bad feeling that you're taking from how you're performing on the field, it's going to be reflected in your performance in recruiting. And that was that. Yep. Yeah. And uh, you, you need those first two classes to build what you're going to do program wise. And, like this was just, I mean, it's just a, a pretty much a disaster. Um, like Noah Keeter, like that's you, you. Do you ever look at like classes from like fifteen years ago and you're like, oh, that name? You shouldn't be doing that with a class from four years ago. But that's yes. where I am. I'm like, oh, Noah Keeter. I barely remember that that was a person. Uh, yeah. He transferred out after a year. This, the whole idea was like stability within the program. You know, we're gonna recruit good citizens who want to stick around. Um, the, the reason I went to a C plus was obviously based mostly on transfer recruiting. Correct. But it's also about hits. Um, uh, if if uh, a lot of the times when you're looking at just high school recruiting pre pre uh, transfer portal, you know the hit rate. We've always argued. Brandon and I talk about this all the time. Um, you know, what, what's a, what's an acceptable hit rate on your recruiting class hit rate, meaning you got guys who contributed significantly. They usually started or, or were in the rotation and played a significant role. Um, uh, you know, the percentage you can argue over, but you, you know, you can like that class we just looked at 2019. Yeah. No, no hit rate there. <laughs> so what you have to take into consideration is just not looking at recruiting rankings. And say, well, UCLA is now top is 25 and 30 in the last two years in the overall recruiting rankings in 24-7 that taking into consideration the transfers also, which was a brilliant thing that they started to do two years ago. Uh, I don't know who suggested that to them. Um, but it's also the hit rate for those transfers. Wow, the hit rate, if you really like what you just did going through and, and listing the guys from 2019 go through and, and list and look at the transfers. Yeah. It's an amazing hit rate. It really is. And, and I'm not, I'm not necessarily attributing that to brilliance on the staff. You got to give them some credit for recognizing some it's guys. It's a lot easier to scout guys who've played but it's at the a, college level. <laughs> so much easier to scout. So, but the hit rate, what you want out of recruiting is you find some guy, you project him to be this guy and he becomes that guy or better. So it's not just about recruiting rankings. It's also about that hit rate. And their hit rate has been 
exceedingly high with the transfer portal. Yeah, and and um, and but that still comes, and this is, I think it, it builds on your point, but it still comes with a uh, shockingly low hit rate with high school recruiting because you True. look at like twenty twenty one. That was the class where they got uh, Devin Apui. Uh, I, I, I'm never going to pronounce that name correctly. Jay Toia, uh, Zach Charbonnet, Ali Cajo, uh, Cam Johnson, Ethan Garbers, Cam Brown, and Jordan Jenmar Keith. So pretty good hit rate with that transfer class. Like, yeah. like borderline every single one's been a hit. Uh, you yep. could go either way on a couple of them, I guess. But then the high school class is uh, Tia Savea, who transferred out after a year. Uh, Quentin Somerville, not a hit. Devin Kirkwood, a hit because he's starting. Uh, Thomas Cole, obviously, uh, mitigating circumstances. Uh, Christian Burkhalter, remember that name? I do. Uh, Josh Moore. Uh, Dacian Morell. Keontes Lewis, who transferred out after a year. Uh, Noah Pugliali'i, not a hit yet. Uh, Isaiah Newcomb. Mm. Not a hit yet, has potential. Kajia Holloway, transferred yes. out. Yeah. Xavier Staples. God, it is a it's amazing. Yeah, their high school recruiting the la- and you know what we're, we were all do just to go back a little. We were all willing. I was willing to buy in originally to this new brilliant re- recruiting approach. Yeah, right? damn. I, I mean, I don't know how you can look at it and not think that th- that this has been a failure. But I'm sure you know you convince yourselves of things, and I would bet the staff doesn't look at it that way. No. Well, in any case, uh, that's enough on recruiting because we talk about that well, all the well, time. Well, just, just, yeah, we do talk about it all the time. But j- just to one more point in this, this puts some weight in this. That, that eight and nine win season, I mean, it's three and four win seasons without the transfer. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, if, this, if, this, if the transfer portal did not exist, this grade would be a D minus. And you got to give him, a, I mean, a lot of this is luck. We've talked about the luck of transfer recruiting. Uh, a lot of it is UCLA's natural advantages, but a lot of it too is you got to give Chip Kelly credit. The more mature transfer recruits want to play for Chip Kelly. They also want to come to UCLA. But um, so give him some credit that he appeals to uh, transfer recruits. There's been a really good point being made on the forum um, and I want to reiterate it, and I have before. Uh, we're not even arguing when it comes to recruiting about the level of re- recruit as he's ranked in 24-7, or even as like I go out and see him and say, yeah, that guy's really good. Why doesn't you still go after him? It's the guys that, on the high school level, that they have uh, designated as a target getting out recruited for a lot of those guys. And we have heard it from the 24 seven recruiting experts. We heard it from, from recruits themselves that sometimes they just didn't feel like UCLA was prioritizing them or there wasn't a lot of energy being put in their recruitment compared to other programs that were putting a lot of energy into it. And that also just not specifically recruit by recruit, but also, like I said, Chip Kelly has never, to my knowledge, if he has, there have been very few, but I don't remember when he's been out to a high school game during the season. That stuff resonates with recruits. Um, he stopped taking the trip out to the Rose Bowl during official visits. There, there's just so many little things like that that I put under the category of just not 
trying as hard in recruiting for the targets, for the guys you've targeted as other programs. Yeah. Okay. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right moving on uh this is from part two uh donor relations you gave a d i don't really have any quibbles with that i think there's been sporadic stuff that he's done um when he specifically wants something uh but i think for the most part this is that, not something he enjoys doing. That would that. probably go under NIL, but just pure donor relations. From my, from what I've heard, just unprecedented. <laughs> the little, the the amount of interaction with donors from from a UCLA football or basketball coach. Uh, uh, Steve Alford went golfing with with donors because they could get him on a course, but. <laughs> At least he did it. Um, yeah, so little interaction. And we'll get to that more when we get to the NIL. Yeah. Thing. That's, yeah, let's not spend too much time on that. Um, media relations is where I think you've been Stockholm syndromed. <laughs> uh, this is a D minus. Um, and it's a C, is what I gave it. Yeah, Dave you gave it a C. It's, it a, it's D a D minus. minus. So here's here's the deal with Chip. He he will be friendly enough with national reporters, and he'll give them stuff off the record. That's what he does. Um, Bruce Feldman. That's why he has uh, two UCLA players every single year on his freaks list because Chip likes to talk to people off the record who are in the national media. He does not uh, do that for the most part, with uh, with the beat reporters. Uh, the reasons, I have no idea. Uh, it goes into some stuff that carries over from Oregon days. Uh, he didn't do it there. Uh, he had contentious relationships with a lot of the NFL beat media. Uh, I, I think the, the proximity to the program in some way makes him a little bit edgier. Uh, end result, though, is he's... Um, Carl Durrell was pretty bad, but... Uh, from like a personal standpoint, but he didn't have the uh, tyrannical control over the program to the level that Chip Kelly does in that when Carl Durrell was the head coach, here's what the beat media could go, could do. They could go to practice, I think watch the whole thing. And afterwards you could ask for literally anybody on the roster and they'd be made available to you right then. Um, and you could interview them. You could do them one-on-one. -on -one, you could do all this different stuff. That's all changed. 
Uh, but on top of that, uh, Chip Kelly himself is not good and expansive. A lot of that changed under Jim Mora. Jim Mora didn't allow you know easy access to everybody, but Jim Mora, when he was um, <laughs> properly emotionally regulated, was very good at explaining things, telling everyone what was going on. He would text you off the record to give you a piece of information if you needed it, that sort of stuff. Mora was really good about that stuff. Chip doesn't do any of that. And uh, the beat media doesn't have the access to the program that it used to have before the Mora years. So the end result is uh, there's less information going out about the program. And this sport is highly dependent on fans. It's highly dependent on people being interested. And the less information you provide, the less engagement you provide, the less inroads there can be for the fans to actually, you know, not just go to the game on Saturdays, but want to, you know, live and breathe it all the time. Um, he's made that much more difficult than it needs to be. He continues to make that more difficult than it needs to be. He's just a little bit uh, less churlish in the in the media scrums. Uh, but that's really the only change. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I overall generally agree. Um, there's a couple of things, and... You know, there are no answers to them. Uh, we've talked about why is he like this? Because we've heard from many people, and, and you can see it too. When you get him talking, he seems like a nice guy, guy you'd like to yep. share a few Coronas with. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's really interesting why he, dis, he his, his initial reaction to the media is to be defensive. Um, when it doesn't, it doesn't have to be. Um, and why he's like that, you know, we can all speculate. I've heard plenty of speculation from people around him, but, you know, it's just he doesn't like it. That's really kind of what it comes down to. Um, so there's, there's that. Uh, and then you, you touched on, and I want to really kind of talk about this um, because there's an ongoing argument of people who say, what does it matter? Why is he got, why does he got to be good to the media? Y'all don't understand how this all works. Um, like I wrote the media, they are human beings. If, and all the media really cares about, they don't care. They don't want to judge you. They don't want to be friends with you. Their job is to collect information. If they get information, they like you. If you don't give them information, they don't like you. That's the only, seriously, that's 90% of it. They, if you're a dick, but give a media member a lot of information, he will like you. Uh, that's all they care about. Nobody uh, likes I, anybody who makes their job harder. Exactly. Like, think so, about your work. Do you like anybody who makes your job harder? Uh, no. No, I'm, so, I'm asking the people out there. Yeah. So, I, I, I mean... Just the ability, so a, a guy, someone's writing a piece uh, for any news outlet. There's a little issue and he needs quick clarification on it. You don't want to have to go to your sports information because this is a long process. You send the email or the text. It gets delayed for a while. It goes up the chain. It has to get then brought over to the coach when he has the right time. He thinks about it. Would this be better not to respond? Would blah, blah, you know, they go. 
It can take days. You need to get this thing out. So now you're getting pissed. Now you don't like them. As opposed to being able to reach out to the coach and even just say, hey, this and this. And he says, no. Great. (laughs) I can move on. My job is easier. It's that simple. It's amazing. Well, and people don't get this. It's part of the job. Like part it's of part of the job that's like everyone understands. It's baked that's where in. I was going. Yeah. Even guys who are not like super personable understand that. Um, and then there are guys who are like Rick Neuheisel who get it at like a fundamental level and treat it like it's a big part of the job. Or even like Mick Cronin um, who, who gets it. At, at a level that I don't even get it. Um, and But like Jim Mora, who went through periods where he was super, super angry with all of us in the media, who who went on tirades against us very often, still text us, still say, hey, uh, this is happening. Or, hey, uh, before uh, Miles Jack started at running back that day, he sent us all a text message saying, hey, he's going to start at running back. I wanted you guys to know since you guys are there every day, I wanted you guys to have it first before even the TV broadcast has it. That kind of stuff goes such a long way. It's it's a it's a professional like courtesy thing where it's just we're all part of the same ecosystem. Um and not to toot our own horns, but like the 247 part of that ecosystem, the 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 digital media part is going to continue to be part of that ecosystem for the foreseeable future. Uh there's a symbiotic relationship going on here with the way we cover recruiting, with the way we cover all this stuff it benefits the program in a lot of ways. So there needs to be a give and take. Uh, and most most coaches have enough uh, understanding of the situation to get that and do it. Chip's not a stupid guy. I think he understands it at some level. He just doesn't want to do it. He just doesn't want to do it. And I don't know this in for a, a literal, solid, concrete fact. But what I've been told by a few donors who are pretty close to the whole situation was when... They were negotiating with Chip Kelly about uh, becoming UCLA's coach. It was kind of understood. Uh, UCLA's uh, uh, mindset was if we could just get Chip Kelly, it wasn't coming from a position of strength. And I'm not going to blame the people who were doing the negotiating. Chip Kelly was the most desirable candidate in the market at the moment. Um, but they lost a lot of their, not their negotiating power, but they lost a lot of their uh, managerial power over him once he arrived. Because I think it was kind of established he's going to do it his way. And even not only from the athletic department, but all the way up to the chancellor, pretty much. And you, it's hard for them to go, I think they should go back and say, Hey, uh, we were wrong. <laughs> Sorry, but you need to do this. And so far, no one is doing that. Uh, you need to show up to this donor event. You need to get better with the media because it does matter. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's enough on that. Uh, NIL promotion um, kind of, for me, it dovetails with the donor relations, especially in the modern, like in the now, now times, like last couple of years. Um but it's so different now because NIL is so critically important. So it's just it, you've given it, you've given a C plus here. Yeah, uh-huh. and I'll tell you, and it, that's based almost entirely Dante on Moore. the effort to get Dante Moore. 
I, I and yeah, I mean, I, I and, and not that. just Dante Moore, J. Michael Sturdivant, a, a few other guys that are going to be critical to this program. Uh, I, I mean, it, it the prospect of getting Dante Moore uh, uh, motivated Chip Kelly, but then I think he recognized what that did, and he got J. Michael Sturdivant and some other impact guys in this uh, transfers in this last. Uh, uh, cycle that are going to have a big impact. Yeah, I don't have any any real beef with this. I think that's fair. Yeah, um, but it from what I've heard, that effort has waned recently, and uh, I mean this this is something that you need to do on an ongoing basis as a head coach. Now, this is such a huge part. If donor relations wasn't a big part of your job before, now. You cannot get away with it without doing this. Like before, if you you could, maybe. You can't now. It's just it's just that simple. Chip Kelly is going to have to become uh a someone who uh schmoozes donors or, or there's or no NIL. It's just not gonna happen. So no NIL, think about that impact. Yeah, not good. Not good. Culture. Uh, you have graded an A, um, and this is where I'm uh, skeptical. Uh, okay. So you've graded an A, books and ball. I think um, the marketing of this has been great. Uh, you've got a bunch of people repeating it all the time. You've got players repeating it. You've got recruits repeating it, the whole thing. And it certainly appeals to some recruits. I think it is inherently limiting um, for UCLA to approach its recruitment for football or basketball as inherently you have to have players who are uh, high-minded at both. I think one of the best things uh, any UCLA coach does is push back on the administration when it advocates for only taking high-minded academic kids. Uh, and I think that's an area where Chip Kelly has failed. But this kind of, it, it does, it kind of coheres with the recruiting aspect, which you have well, to be okay. a, a yeah. source of friction against this but. It's a source okay, of so you, against but you're arguing two things now. You're arguing books and ball well, as, a, on, as a recruiting on, tool. Hang on. Yeah. It's, you have to be a source of friction against this idea. You can't embrace this idea. You have to be a source of friction against books and ball because that is the inherent limiting factor at UCLA. It's not Stanford, so you can't actually do the Stanford thing. Stanford is right now doing the Stanford thing again. Uh, it went two or three years without doing the Stanford thing. Now it's back to doing the Stanford thing. They're recruiting at a high level because they're pitching this. UCLA, this is not the pitch. UCLA should be, we can do athletic excellence at the same level of everyone else. You're also going to get a great education. But the athletic excellence is the point. Um, and this is inherently limiting. This is the pitch at Northwestern, not the pitch at UCLA. Right. So you're talking two different things. You're talking about the recruiting pitch. And I completely agree. Every time I hear books and ball as a recruiting pitch or as something you're putting out to the public as the image of the program, I, I cringe a little internally pounding this into your player, because once they're in there, they're getting, they're getting all the stuff of what, I, when you're a football player, you're spending 25 hours a week and you were immersed in it. You don't think almost think about anything else. You were up at 5.00 AM. You also need to do something within your program to get them to know we need well-rounded citizens and kids who emphasize academics or the culture 
and your roster is going to blow up. Internally, I think it works. Once you get them in and they get all the football stuff, they get all the ball and they need some books. But just like what you said, the pitch to recruits, the the PR campaign, uh, I, I, we could talk endlessly about why this is being done. Uh, I, 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 it's, it's more, it goes back to more of that three-star thing. Give us the three-star good citizens and, and we'll turn them into players. And I, I, like you said, I, I don't think that's a winning recruiting formula. Part of the culture internally, I, I do think it works. Um, and then overall, if we're just talking about the, the culture, uh, like I wrote, have we seen, uh, and I'm knocking wood, like I wrote, uh, when's the last time there was any kind of, uh, there was a UCLA player that had any kind of uh, police issues, legal I mean, there's, issues? there's been some. Not uh, that many, though, Dave. I mean, uh, there's Bo Taylor, who went out and uh, was... That was that was after he left. Okay, like, but it's still the... the, the well, no, you got to give him credit then. If this guy was problematic, they got rid of him, and he's gone. He's not in the program and uh, getting arrested. Yeah. Uh, come on, you got to give him credit here. Uh, we, we've been covering all these... Do you remember... I mean, Mora, not only what we heard publicly, but what we heard privately of what was going on was some of the behavior of the players. Then before that, New Heisel, even Durrell. I mean, going back, there were always, all the way back to Toledo since I started doing this, there have always been more issues than this. This is, uh, now whether you think this is consistent with a program that will win at a high level, up to you. I'm just, I'm grading this on the culture of the program and how well, how good the the kids, the quality of the kids that are in it. And I, I don't think we've seen anything like this in a couple of decades. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's hard to uh, to um, uh, decouple that from, like, it's not the point of a program. Like, it's not the uh, point I, of your of your football It's program. not the point, but a lot of these things aren't the point. Uh, donor relations aren't the point. But it's a big it's, part it's of the f- point. It's, 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 it's not a point. It's a factor in in your in being successful. Uh, and I think G- this is too. Jim Moore having a bunch of shitheads the first few years didn't really matter because they won a lot of games. Right. Having a bunch of shitheads in the last few years really mattered. Yeah. but And I know this from a firsthand standpoint. Sure. <laughs> it mattered. But it also mattered that he hired... Kennedy Palomalu to be his offensive coordinator and it right, mattered so that he hired ta- Tom Bradley to be his defensive coordinator. Absolutely. And both of those guys were, you know, bad at their jobs. So, so we're talking about different factors and we're talking about but, what we're talking but, about but right now is culture is as a factor. My point is that the main thing is the main thing. And I guess for the culture part, are um, you saying culture doesn't have an impact on, on the program? But I guess what I'm, I'm, I'm grading the, like you're grading when half the team was on Molly. <laughs> Well, you're grading the implementation of a culture. Like, you're grading, like, has and he I, successfully And I didn't just throw that out there uh, irresponsibly, okay? I mean, yeah, I'm just going to let that sink in. Yeah. You don't think that impacts the, the results or the success of a program when I mean, a lot of the team's on drugs? Okay. Yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah, no problem. Uh, bunch of Dave, Molly. come on. Come bunch on. of Molly's fine. Come um, on, Dave. But, no, no, no. But the, I, I guess... 
you're grading the implementation and the marketing of a culture, uh, which not is marketing. I, this was cult. We already talked about his image and leadership out to the public. This is culture within the program. You have internal marketing too. That's why all these guys are spouting the same phrases. Yeah. But this culture, what I was grading here was the internal culture of the program. Yeah. And I'm saying it's a, it's not the right culture. Like it's not the right culture for UCLA. Hmm, okay. Um, all right. Program management, organization, efficiency, and innovation. You know what's really fun is when uh, all the bros go, oh, mom and dad, or dad and dad. <laughs> We're two dads. We are that couple. They're arguing again. Let's go into our room and put the pillows over our ears. Yes. Program management, organization, efficiency, and innovation. You've given it an A. I'm fine with that. Okay. That seems right. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of next level. I, you know, actually, the innovation in the sports technology, he he has implemented a lot of things. I think a lot of programs are doing some of the stuff he's doing, too. It, he might have been uh, a pioneer in some of these things. But from what I've heard of, okay, within the athletic department, the athletic department is very happy with, okay, we need this report. We need this. We need that. And, it's, and boom, it's there. Or we... Uh, need this analysis or this. The, the athletic department demands some things from the program. Um, so there's that. But the program management and organization, from what I heard, is 100% next level. Um, like a lot of people who have been in the program and a lot of a few of the transfers who were in other programs and then some players who, uh, like I said, were in the program, graduated, and then some coaches who were getting firsthand views of inside the program really rave about it. And I don't think it's blowing smoke because it's off the record, but I've, there've been a lot of people who just said, wow, uh, it's, it's very impressive of, of how well organized and managed the program is. And we've seen it. I, I mean, I, I kind of used it also to talk about how practices are managed just from our own standpoint, Dave, how nice is it that it always ends at two hours and we're not running to three and a half hours under Mora. Oh no, my God, that was so breaking. If it ends off time, it's always early. So great. Or if it, it goes over a minute. Yeah, it's so beautiful. <laughs> I mean, so well organized. Uh, uh, I mean, just from a practice standpoint. But I've heard internally just everything, how it works, it it, it runs like a clock. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah. And like what I ended this on is, it's interesting because... If you do coaches like this, a lot of the times... If you do coaches like this. Yeah, if you do coaches. There you go again. Um, not as many extreme grades. We've got some A's and we've got some C's, D's, and F's. Not a lot of B's here, which is really interesting. Um, a lot of people on the forum concluded, well, if he could just get some of those D's and F's up to a B, and we're making this point too, all of this stuff that I just analyzed and graded and Dave and I just went over. If he just had a top 40 defense, all of this stuff doesn't matter to us. Right? Yeah. Agreed. Um, so something just occurred to me, Tracy. Yes, Dave. If you did this for Mick Cronin, like if you Oof. did this whole thing, Oof. let's not go through it grade by grade by grade. But which ones would be lower than an A? Well, let's let's just go through it really fast. All right. I can leadership. do it. I can do it really fast. Leadership and uh, A. Leadership and A. Uh, uh, in, internally to the community, let's say an A minus. 
Sure. Okay. He's not. I don't. I, I mean, uh, I don't. Uh, he's not leading any parades. No. A minus. <laughs> uh, offense. Uh, I mean, you can talk me into an A minus B plus, but I'm not going f- further down than that. I'm going A minus. You look at. I mean, I I did it the other day. I looked at Ken Palm. Top 20 offenses in the country for efficiency in the last three years. I think three years ago is an 11. Last year is 21, something like that. I mean, uh, A minus. You could quibble like sometimes they didn't move the ball last year, but if you're talking efficiency, that's got to be an, at least an A minus. Defense, uh, I, I come on. Defense, uh, well, I would say an A minus because again, okay. we're grading the whole thing, um, and it, it got to. Super elite last year, but it's just been pretty good the last three. Like the previous. This is year. fun. Yeah, <laughs> this is really fun when you can give out A's. Um, results A minus. Results. I'd say A minus. I mean, Final Four won the Pac-12 last year. Won the Pac-12, and that's in four years. I'd say a straight A if he had been to an Elite Eight in, instead of the two Sweet Sixteens. Yeah, contextualizing with injury. His his. But, oh yeah, last his, year, his ability injury. to prevent injuries is an F. All right. He, he is not personally doing enough to strengthen their tendons. And then here's the thing, too. If you could have said this about a UCLA football team, they were one of the top three teams in the country, and then they got beset by injuries and only were a top 15 team in the country. <laughs> That's what happened with UCLA basketball. I mean, top three or four team by the end of the season, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, overall, Ken Palm, uh, I think two or three. Yeah. At the end. Yeah. Uh, recruiting, I would give it a B plus. B plus. Um, yeah. If they if they get the last two guys, <laughs> last two international guys in this in this uh, cycle, eh, at least a B plus. Uh, I'd say a B plus. He's missed on some guys. Um, so B plus. Yeah. Uh, Donor relations. <laughs> a plus. It is a straight A, guys. I mean, if we're talking about the coach is going out golfing. With donors, the coach is taking guys out to dinner, breakfast, breakfast, coffee, lunch, drinks, dinner. <laughs> Anything interpersonal uh, is uh, is going to be a, a, a pretty high grade for. You know, uh, and I'm going to give you a little insider thing. You can you can almost play a game with Macron. This is just hypothetical. You could throw out the name of any donor, and he'll say, "Oh yeah, Baba," and just rattle it off who that guy is. Yeah, he he knows where his bread is buttered. Uh, speaking of program promotion and media relations, I don't know if there's a grade high enough. Well, uh, let's just say media relations straight A. I mean, the way he ha- unless he he can he can you know the, if I'm going to nitpick, he can. You ask him a question. He'll go a little bit long, but I'm not saying long badly because everything he's saying is frigging riveting. But I've got three more questions that I want to get out. <laughs> um, but media, how he handles press conferences, and even the ones when he's pissed. Yeah, I love especially the ones too. where he's pissed. Yeah, at program promotion. Uh, I mean, at least an A minus, right? I, I like I said, he's not leading. I don't see him leading any. Uh, parades right now but still no and this is one where i would say ben howland uh with program promotion was always like uh and and i don't the good or bad was always super reverent i saw that video of him at the uh, 2007 final four again where he's 
asked a question before the Kansas game where it's like, or sorry, this is the Sweet 16 then. Uh, it was asked a question before the Kansas game in the Elite Eight. And was um, it was which which school has better tradition, UCLA or Kansas? And Howland like rattled it off like he was reading the Wikipedia page, like right then. He probably wrote it. He probably wrote the damn thing. But it was just like so. Oh, you were so obviously like an eight year old watching those things, uh, like watching those teams. So this is this is really fun okay. To so see. Ben Howland benefited because he grew up in, in yeah in the West. Uh, Mick Cronin didn't. But the way he speaks about UCLA, uh, and I wrote it somewhere in these grading, do, does Chip Kelly, do you get a feeling that he wants to be there, that he respects the school and the program, and he wants to be there, and he likes being a Bruin, right? If, if Mick Cronin doesn't, he's really, he's really got us convinced he does, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, Absolutely. All right. Um, then you have NIL promotion. I, I don't think a coach could do more within NCAA rules of what he's doing. Yeah. Then you have culture. I mean, he's got nothing as great as books and ball. You're right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, really. Uh, well, let's just let's be devil's act. What, what can we say bad about the culture? Um. Dave, Dave, are you there, Dave? Well, so here's the thing: is that the same basic thing that you hear from football players? Oh, like, I know what I can. Where they all say the same thing. They all say books and ball, right? Yeah. Even the recruits say the same thing about Mick Cronin's program. If you don't play defense, you're not going to play. Um, and this is much more the type of culture I think fits an athletic program at a school like UCLA is something athletically focused. Uh, because you already got the academics. Yeah, it's you already, had you had to get into the already, damn school, guys. Yeah. Um, so uh, their thing is, well, you're gonna you're gonna play your ass off on defense, or you're not gonna play. And in as much as that's a culture, it's a very brutal culture. It's a very um, uh, direct culture. It's a very uh, forthright culture. But that's a culture. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I would say. Um, and I don't know and I'm just throwing this out and I don't know if it's right or wrong, but it's there. It's a, it's a definite type of culture, right? It's not, it's not for everyone and it's perceived that way by recruits. So on one hand, we've made the point that uh, some high level recruits won't come to UCLA because of how tough it is to be in Mick Cronin's program. But on the other hand, it's self-screening because those guys wouldn't make it anyway. So however you want to say, is that, is that give it, does that boost the grade or take away the, y'all can do that on your own. Yeah. You know what we didn't do though, really in what I didn't do. I didn't grade Chip Kelly like for coaching hires. Yeah. Should have done that maybe. Don't you think? Yeah. That's a big, big deal. What would you do for that? For Chip Kelly? Uh, That's a, that's a a D minus. D minus. It's really bad. Hmm. I guess because a lot of it goes into defense and defensive coordinator yeah, and, and as an arrow for four years. Yeah. That's, that's really bad. Yeah. Uh, he has not been a great, uh, a great manager of any kind of defensive staff. Uh, I hate to be doing this like in the same breath, but Mick Cronin's, uh, uh, 
staff hires have generally been good. Darren Savino is brings a lot to the table in terms of uh, big man coach, also the glue inside in inside the program, and his dynamic with Mick Cronin. They've been doing it so long; they've they've got it down. Um, so, I would say also. It would have to maybe go to, uh, you'd have to boost the grade. And we only knew him for such a short period, but Ivo Simovich, the, that hire. I mean, he was just flailing along at Loyola, Maryland, right? Yep. And you pluck him out of that. Oh, my biggest question for that hire is, how did no one else ever notice about Evo? That's, that's phenomenal to me. Um, and I, you got to give Mick Cronin all the credit. And Coach Simovich, Simovich has used this to parlay this into a million-dollar deal in the NBA, which is really phenomenal. But um, I, I'd say you got to give it at least a B-plus for hires, would you say? Yeah. 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 Okay, Dave. Okay. Dave, there was something else you mentioned you threw out that you oh, wanted to media talk day. about. What was that? Media Day is next week. Uh, yeah. This is not uh, – people cover it like it's an event. It's not really. It's just an opportunity to talk to some players and coaches. And get uh, a free buffet. But it's next Friday in Vegas. Uh, Mike's going. I'm going. Uh, so we're going to we're gonna cover that. But that marks kind of the, uh, the beginning of the ramp up. Have uh, you checked the weather? Yeah, dude. What is it? One fourteen. Dude, uh, they're hitting an all-time high. I think on Sunday it's going to tie the all-time high of like one seventeen. Uh, it's supposed to cool <sighs> off a little bit towards the end of the week, but it's still going to be in the one tens. Oh, those days of being in Las Vegas in late July for all those basketball tournaments. When, yeah, I mean, I remember on my rental car it was one twenty-one a it's couple be of nasty, times. Man, I remember I was coming back. Greg Hicks and I were coming back from going out with a bunch of coaches, and the car it was one oh one in the morning. And the temperature was right next to it, and it was 101. <laughs> Unacceptable. It, that's the kind of stuff like the um, when you get in your rental car, or just your car, uh, the seatbelt, the metal on the seatbelt. You can't touch it. Literally first-degree burns yeah. if it touches your hand. Yeah. 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 I'm excited. I'm yeah, excited that's fun. Beautiful. I'm so excited that you and Mike are going. It's going to be tremendous. Yes. All right. Well, that's okay. it. That's all we got. And who's going? What players? It's Leatu, Latu, Latu, and Duke, Duke Clemens. Clemens. Two and good UC. representatives of the program. Yes, they will both be great. Uh, and uh, Chip, uh, they all talk literally the last people of the day. Which, if you've been to Las Vegas, it's not ideal. Not ideal for me. Why do they? It's. Uh, but they're talking at three fifty-five. Wow. So we'll be working until probably. Five or six. So uh, you, you need some. You need to prepare a little some jokes to loosen up, uh, Chip. I'll prepare some material. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll workshop it. I'll take it to some open mics. <laughs> you would get a bunch of bros out for that. Yeah. I gotta tell you. Yeah, that'd be fun. Okay. All right. Well, for Tracy Pearson, I'm David Woods, Bruno Report Online. We'll talk to you again next time. See y'all. 
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.